Is it? Is it? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, I love you guys. And part of the advantage of pastoring a church that's not thousands and thousands of people is I know when I write a sermon like this that it's going to, because I've talked to you. I've, I've been with you through the funerals. I've been with you through the struggles. When I put this sermon series on the calendar way back in December, I, I had no idea the conversations that I'd have with you and with you over the last seven months. Some of you have been facing some difficult times. The storm winds have blown. Is that true? And were it not for a solid ground, I'm going to get some some pushback from what I'm getting ready to say, but Don, I've been on the beach for the last seven days. (laughs) And there was something that was kind of interesting about our, our trip. There was a lot of interesting things about our trip, but we would spend a significant amount of our day under an umbrella just looking at the beauty that is the Atlantic Ocean. And then we had to end our day and go back to our condominium to eat massive amounts of seafood and other. (laughs) But before we could get there, we had to walk across a boardwalk, across the dunes on St. Augustine Beach. And to get to the boardwalk, you had to walk up a sand dune. And the sand on the sand dune was so soft that you would literally sink almost up to your calf as you tried to walk. And it was so difficult just to take step after step after step on an unsteady foundation, on a shaky ground. So what I hope happens over the next few weeks and our time together is that we learn what it takes for you and I to build our homes, our houses, our families, our lives on solid ground. Not a shaky foundation, but something that will stand the storms of life and the test of time. Even when life is life and throws you things that you're not ready for. Has that ever happened? The phone call that you weren't expecting. The, the diagnosis that you weren't expecting. What do we do in those moments? And that's what we're going to talk about over the next several weeks. I want you to read two passages of Scripture with me. I ask you to do something that I don't normally ask you to do, but I want you to read them along with me. They're going to be on the, the screen behind me. One of them's in your bulletin. It's Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 and 25. I want everybody that can Read along and out loud with me. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Read Proverbs chapter 10, verse 25 with me. When the storms of life come. You don't have that one. When the st- then just let me read it to you. 
When the storms of life come, the wicked are whirled away, but the godly have a lasting foundation. Lord, over the next few moments and over the next few weeks, would you teach us through the authority and the power of your word what it is to build our lives, our families, our homes on a firm foundation. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Here's what I don't want you to do. I'm not going to tell you anything new today. Most of you that have been around the church have heard these words and heard this message maybe, maybe a dozen times, I don't know. But I want you to listen with fresh ears this morning because I believe if you do, that when the storms come, today we're going to talk about foundational faith. Faith. What is faith? Hey, I'm glad you asked. You see, here's the thing, y'all is we, around the church, we talk about faith, and we use the word faith, and we pray in faith. Do we really understand what it means to have faith in a God who can't fail? Hebrews chapter 11 says it this way, without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him, must believe that He exists. And I've heard people ask me this question, how can I have faith in a God I've never seen? I'm going to ask you to do something with me. You ready? I want everybody in the room, everybody in the room to participate. I want you to take your right hand. Your, your right hand, some of y'all. Right hand. Right hand. And I want you to look at it. And I want you to take a mental image of your right hand. I want you to pick out maybe three distinguishing characteristics about your right hand take a take a mental image maybe maybe you see a scar maybe you see a a knuckle that looks funky maybe there's a hair that you need to do something with i don't know (laughs) but three distinguishing characteristics about your right hand everybody got that you got that mental snapshot all right here now now i want you to do the same thing with your elbows all right if you're able to take a mental snapshot of three distinguishing characteristics of your elbows raise your hand Okay, almost nobody. Do you know why? Because you can't see your elbows. You can't see your elbows without the aid of a mirror or a selfie, like you could do it with your camera, but you can't see your elbows. So obviously, if you can't see them, they must not be there. If you can't see them, they must not function. If you can't see them, can you trust them to do what they're designed to do? In fact, you've never seen your face. You've seen a reflection of your face. You've seen an image of your face. But without a mirror or without a photograph, it'd be impossible for you to see your face. But here's what I know. Here's what I know about the God that we serve. I've never seen Him with my eyes. But I've seen His reflection. I've seen His image in His creation. I've seen His image in the works of His hand. I've felt His touch. I know just because I can't see Him doesn't mean I can't place my faith and hope and trust in a God who is very, very real. You're never going to look at your elbows the same way again. Foundational faith. That's right, sweetie. Hebrews 11.1 says, and if you grew up in the church, you heard this verse over and over and over. Every time somebody says, what's the definition of faith? People read this verse 
and still don't understand what it means. Now, faith is confidence. Everybody say confidence. And what we hope for and assurance about we do, what we do not see. Faith is confidence. If you read a King James Bible, it says the substance of what we hope for. The substance of things we hope for. Now, I want you to pay attention to the word now. 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 And here's, I've heard sermons where they said, what we need is a right now faith. A faith right now for the present time. A right now faith. Isn't that a good sermon? That's not what it means. That's not what it means. See, what, what that word now does, all right, if you're 40 or over, raise your hand. All right, so how many of you remember, some of y'all were like, oh, do I have to? How many of you remember growing up and watching Schoolhouse Rock on Saturday mornings? Anybody remember? Conjunction, junction, what's your function? Wow. Wow. See that word now? is a conjunction. It links two things. It links the word faith with what happened in chapter 10. And what happened in chapter 10, the author of Hebrews was going, you need to persevere. You need to push through your trials. You need to hang on to your faith. You need to make a, a, find the strength to push through your trials and your struggles because faith is confidence in what you can't see. In fact, that word now, it's a Greek word, de. Ooh, there you go. There's your Greek le lesson for the day, de. Most of the time throughout the Bible, it's translated as but. It's, in other words, I want you to persevere. I know times are hard, but faith is confidence in what you can't see. Amen. So what, what the author of Hebrews was trying to tell us is there's something that connects your struggle to the promise of God. What is that abstract thing that connects your present circumstance? What's that abstract thing that, con that, that connects this storm that you're walking through, this difficult season that you found yourself in to the promise of God? That, that thing that connects it is your faith, faith, faith. 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 Write this down if you're taking notes. Faith is the confidence that attaches your present circumstances to a promise of God. See, that's a conjunction that connects your faith with a circumstance, a season, a situation. Let me see if I can explain it. Fear says you're, you'll fail. Faith says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Amen. See, your faith connects your circumstance with a promise. Doubt says, my husband's never going to change. My wife's never going to change. My kid's never going to change. Doubt will tell you they're going to die in their sin. But faith says, if I believe in the Lord Jesus, I'll be saved and my house. How many want to cling on to that? No, 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 kid. I'm, 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 I really want to know. How many of you are in this room and you got, I need to connect my situation with God's promise? That's faith in what you can't see. Just because you can't see God doesn't mean He's not working hard on your behalf. 
that doesn't mean that he's not working hard to fulfill a promise. See, what faith is really is a confidence in a God who cannot fail. So if God said you'll be saved and your house, guess what? He, he can't not do that. Did, did that come out right? He can't not do that. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if we could just... Now, I grew up hearing sermons, you've got to increase your faith. You've got to increase your faith. You've got to increase your faith. Anybody? I'm going to tell you, that's not the answer. Um, what if, what, if, uh, what if somebody gave you a bonus that was, say, 1% of your hourly wage and you're like well I can I can buy a third of a gallon of gas <laughs> hang on I can buy a fourth of a gallon of gas what if somebody said I'm gonna give you a bonus of Elon Musk's income you'd be like I'm set I am good <laughs> listen if you've got to have faith in Dwayne to get something done, you're going to need a lot of faith. But your faith's not in Dwayne, is it? Your faith's in a God who cannot fail. And, and what Jesus said is all you need was the faith like a mustard seed. A, a tiny bit of faith in a great big God. A tiny bit of faith in a great big God. See, it, it's not the amount of your faith that's the at, at question here. It's the object of your faith. See, have you put your faith in your finances? Have you put your faith in your friends? Have you put your Now listen, I, I've got some faithful friends, but that, listen, that's not where my, my hope and faith and trust lies. I've got some, I, I have a wonderful family, and I love them dearly and would step in front of a train for any of them. But that's not where my faith is. My faith, my, my grain of mustard seed faith is in a God who can't fail. So, so listen, we, we, put too much, we put too much responsibility on the amount of your faith. How I many know it, that's not what gets the job done? It's not you. It's a great, big, powerful, merciful, awesome, incredible God. That's who we have faith in today. We have faith in a God who loved you so much that he sent his only son. We have faith in a Jesus who gave his life for you on Calvary's cross. We have faith in a risen Savior that kicked death and hell in the gut and took away their sting forever and forever. We have faith in a Jesus, listen, that is right now praying for you. Did you get that? Right now. How does that work? Right now, Jesus is talking to our Father on your behalf. Oh. How can you not have confidence in that? We have faith in a rescuer that soon and very soon is going to split the eastern sky and take this church home. That's, that's who my faith is in this morning. And that's what I'm telling you. Faith in that God is what connects your circumstance and your situation and your sickness and, and that thing that you, you just can't see a way through. Have you, have you been there? God, I don't, I don't know how you're going to fix my marriage. Well, 
I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to sound uh, disrespectful to any married folks in the room. It's not your job. How about you just listen to God and do what He says and let Him fix your marriage? It works, by the way. Thirty-six and a half years. Let me tell you how it works. I married the first girl that gave me her real phone number. You laugh. That's. So we're going to talk about three characteristics of faith over the next little bit. And some of it is going to sting a little. Some of it is going to sting a little. So here's what I need you to do. I want you to open your heart. Because I believe that if we'll capture what faith really is and not some abstract, oh, I, I have faith. Um, I, don't, I don't live like it. I don't act like it. I don't talk like it. But I have it. Do you? I want you to see that, that the kind of faith that we're talking about today is, is something that, well, let's just go on. I want you to write this down. The first thing that faith is, faith that transforms. Let's talk about transformational faith. Uh, just so I know who I'm talking to in the room. Has, has your connection with Christ, has there been anybody in the room who's not the same? After you found Jesus. That, that that faith transformed you. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. It's really important for me right now to let you know that you're not saved by your activity. Uh, you, you know, I, I had this idea as a teenager when I started going to church that I had to holiness my way into heaven. That I, you know, the church, my home church was, you know, your, your sleeves went down to here. And, you know, this was 1982. And I told you all about my, my mullet. <laughs> Come on, somebody. We were on vacation. And, and Donna spotted this young man. He's probably 22. And he had a mullet. And she said, I think they're coming back. And I was like, yes. <laughs> I'll grow me one. Probably takes 10 years now. But I, I, I remember that that was a big deal to my home church, that m my hair was below my collar, and they were like, well, you know, you got to do something about that hair. And I was like, what does my hair have to do with my heart? I didn't understand that then. Still don't, by the way. But that, that faith ought to, uh, it's, it's, not, it's not how we work our way into God's favor. What we read is that by faith, we receive God's favor and His grace and His mercy by faith. It's not because we work our way into earning God's favor. Y'all are amen and now, but in, when we get to the next feeling, you may not like it so much. See, I want you to understand that faith is more than a belief system. Faith is not just what you believe. It's much more than that. Faith, look at me, is how you live your life. And here's the problem that many of us struggle or have struggled with or may struggle. We, we say we believe one thing, but our lifestyle. And for this kind of faith to be active in our life, what we say we believe and how we live our life need to match. See, I, I bet I'm not the only one that's had a portion of your life when... 
one thing was coming out of your mouth, but your lifestyle told a completely different story. See, faith's not, faith's not how I can clean myself up for church folk and clean my language up for church folk and, and act the right way in front of the right crowd and be somebody completely different in another environment. Listen, I did that for a long time. The book of James says a double-minded man's unstable in all his ways, and I lived that life, and it's miserable. So I'm telling you this morning, and, and, and you guys know me, and I'm, I'm telling you from, from a heart of love and a heart of compassion, if, if you're saying that you believe one thing and your lifestyle says something else, it's a miserable life. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, what God told me. God told me, get in or get out. And, and listen, the right answer there is to get in. So faith's not just your belief system. Faith is how you live your life. And listen, if faith, let me say it like this, faith that doesn't transform you, faith that doesn't change who you are from the inside out, faith that doesn't transform you isn't faith at all, it's religion. And that's all it is. But thank God. How many know you can, you can connect with this Jesus? And, and without, you know, I, I remember uh, this, this Christian comedian that would tell this story about how he found Jesus and was trying to earn his way into Jesus' favor. And he said, I realized it was like trying to clean up to take a bath. And that's not how that works. I mean, you, you walk into your bathtub, your shower with all your dirt and all your junk and all your... Oh, I have to tell you a story. Oh, I have to tell you a story. <laughs> so uh, we wound up out of our condo one week of this vacation. And yes, I'm going to talk about my vacation all day long. <laughs> so we wound up in a hotel because the water went out in our condo. And how many know that feeling? If you're, if you're a beach person and you're out on the beach all day, that gross, grimy, slimy, just... Ugh sunscreen, <laughs> seagull poop and everything that's all over you, and you just, it's just that grossness. You, you know what I'm feeling? You, you know what I'm talking about? So we go back, and we got no shower. And I'm like, this is not good. <laughs> so we finally get in line with our hotel, get, get our, another place to stay lined up, and we're, we're standing there, and all I want to do, I don't care what kind of room it is, as long as it's got hot water, i got to have a shower. And it was that, have you ever had that moment where, and, and listen, I'm a person that loves people, right? I love people. I didn't love this guy that was behind the, the, the counter. He and I were not getting along because he was just not, he, it, I'm like, I just want to shower. And he's like, well, I just don't know what we're going to do. It's, and he's going back and forth and back and forth. And it takes us 45 minutes to get our hotel room checked in. And I'm like, oh, help me, Holy Ghost, right now. <laughs> that feeling Oh, but, but then you, you finally get in that shower, and you finally get clean, and it just, let, how many of you remember what that, that felt like on your soul? When you found Jesus, and he washed you, and he cleansed you, and he took all the junk, but he found you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. See, we've got this idea 
We, we come to Jesus just as we are. It's okay to not be okay, right? But it's not okay to stay that way. Man, y'all are getting this. And I don't say that from a heart of judgment. I say that because God has a plan for your life. And he wants to transform you into his image. And oh, by the way, that transformation process will never stop. Well, I take that back. It will stop the moment you see his face. You'll be like him. Until then, guess what he's going to do? He's going to mold you and shape you and form you into the image of his son. See, I, that's not judgment. That sounds more like love to me. Yeah. So faith that transforms. And then we'll talk about faith that moves. <laughs> James chapter 2 says, For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Can you work your way into heaven? Can you work in response of what, to what God has done for you? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I want you to hear from me today that if God saved you, He has something for you to do. And I, I love that we live in the age of social media. I love that kind of. Kind of not, though. But here's what I see from time to time. It seems like our walk with Christ has become narcissistic. In other words, oh, I, I, here's this, this song that does this for me. Here's this verse that does this for me. There's devotion that has done this for me. And, and if the only person benefiting from your faith and your faith journey is you, you're missing the mark. If the only person that's benefiting from your walk with Christ is you, something's wrong. If the only person benefiting from the transformational power of the, of the Christ that hung on Calvary's cross, if the only person that's benefiting from that is you, then you're missing something. And I'm missing something. The last thing Jesus told us to do was go. Wouldn't it have been cool if he just said, now y'all just hang out here. I'll be back to get you in a little while. Don't worry about nothing else. Y'all just hang out here, build you a little convent, and put up big walls, build you a swimming pool so you can just hang out here until I come back and get you. That's not what he said. He said, I'm leaving. You go and go now. There's work to be done. Man, I... Did you, did you notice our, our, our verse that we began this message with? Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Listen, I, I hope you open your Bible in the morning and gain all sorts of divine inspiration for you to make it through your life and make it through your day. I hope you do. I hope you do. Please don't let it stop there. Please don't let it stop there. You know what I'm learning as I get not young? I couldn't even say the word. You know what I'm learning? There's a lot of hurting people in our world. I, I wish I was nicer to the hotel clerk. 
Donna says I was nice. I didn't feel like I was nice. Would you agree with me if I were to tell you that you don't have to look very far to find somebody that could be encouraged and somebody that could be loved and somebody that could that that the experience that you've had with Christ Jesus could could make a mark on their life that you wouldn't have to look very far could I tell you you wouldn't have to look very far in this very church to find something to do see I didn't write these words but I just read them faith without works is dead I, I want you to experience the faith and the joy that comes with an active, working faith. I want you to experience the joy that comes from activating your faith by letting the Holy Spirit that lives within you use you to be an extension of the love of God to somebody else. Before we left, I got a chance on Thursday night to just kind of hang out at Vacation Bible School. And, and, and here's the coolest thing, is to watch these adults that I promise you have other things to do with their time. Have these, this group of kids around them just, just loving them. Teaching them crafts, teaching them Bible stories, being silly. Loving them like Jesus would love them. I saw the pictures <clears throat> from the beach. <laughs> and I found myself just a, a, a tear in my eye just watching the joy in those children's faces. There's a world that needs that kind of love. There's a world that needs people who are, are not just talking faith, but who the power of God has changed their life, and now they're living their faith. To invade this world. Not, you know, I say it like that, and it sounds like, you know, we're going to invade the world with megaphones and, and with banners. Stop. Just. You, you couldn't see your elbows without a mirror? What if I told you that God's chosen to use you as a mirror for His Son? This world may never see Jesus unless they see Him in you. And they see him in me. And, and listen, it's probably not going to be because they heard a sermon from a pulpit. It's going to be because somebody whose life has been transformed by the power of God, who's living out their faith, takes that faith into a world that so desperately needs it and lives it out in front of a lost and dying world. Mm. <laughs> so don't do that. Don't be that... Don't be that Christian that spends your whole life listening to sermons and listening to devotions on, you know, in the morning and, and learning the lyrics to all the popular worship courses and then doing nothing with them. See, I, my heart hurts for those that, that 
are, are going to amass this wealth of Christian knowledge and then never allow themselves to be put in a position where they must rely on their faith in God to survive. I heard somebody say it this way. I, I wish I would have said it, but they said, you'll never know that God's all you need until he's all that you have. So we've talked about faith that transforms and then faith that moves. And now, uh, lastly, I want to talk to you about faith that sustains. The, our passage said, The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. The, do you notice, you know, these were Jesus' words. And he said, the rains came down. You notice what he didn't say? The rains might fall. Our, our Proverbs passage that we read early said, when the storms come, not if the storms come. Now, I, I'm, I believe I'm a pretty positive guy. Would you agree with that, Donna? I'm a pretty positive guy. I am positive the storm's coming. I've, I've lived this life long enough to know that sooner or later the storm's coming. And I don't know what this... But, but not all storms are bad. Some, some storms make you grow. Faith in God is not always going to keep you from the storm. It might not always protect you from all harm. It will, however, be a rock you can stand on in the midst of those storms. And oh, by the way, your faith will connect your storm to a peace speaker. Isn't that good news? Don and I spent five years in, uh, in South Georgia. And every year, uh, our church would participate in a statewide camp meeting. And in uh, June of 2005, Don and I were in this tabernacle. And God began to speak to us, oh, by the way, about you. And Don and I were in tears a pastor was praying over us and we knew that God was changing our season and that and he began to put you guys this church on our heart in this tabernacle and that tabernacle burned to the ground this past month and it broke my heart because I've got so many great memories in that tabernacle and so many that experience was on my heart let me tell you what happened they decided to clear off the tabernacle and have a camp meeting service with a tent on the slab this past Sunday. So I watched some of it online from the beach. <laughs> Listen to me. When the fire rose, you know what didn't? The only thing that didn't burn was the foundation. So I'm going to tell you, The storm's coming. I get it. A faith in a God who can't fail. I, I, I hope this doesn't happen, but you, you may suffer loss. You may lose a job. Has that ever happened to anybody, by the way, you lost a job? 
How's that feel? That's devastating, isn't it? You may lose a loved one. Anybody ever had to stand over a casket with somebody you love? It's, it's, it's awful, isn't it? Yeah, of course it is. Can I tell you in the midst of those storms, and you know what will not fail? is your foundation if it's built on the rock of Christ. Can I tell you one really quick story? I heard this story from Dr. David Gibbs. Dr. David Gibbs. He's the founder of the Christian Law Association. What he does is he, he goes from church to church to church to church, helping them with legal issues. He's a preacher, but his, his specialty is helping churches with, with legal issues. And he's, he's built a huge organization. And I heard him tell this story about being in Alaska many years ago. And he's off on this remote island that he had flown onto, but, but it was this, this small island, had a small airport. And it was time for him to fly back to Anchorage to finish their journey. And a pastor approached him and said, uh, uh, Dr. Gibbs, I, I'd, love to, I'd, I'd love to fly you on my personal airplane back to Anchorage to save you some money and uh, it'd be no charge. I, I, I'd love to take you and your companion. He had another lawyer with him. And it, 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 at first, Dr. Gibbs said, I don't want to do that. And the guy was very persistent. So finally, he agreed. And so it's this pilot, Dr. Gibbs, and another attorney in this small single-engine aircraft. And so they take off, and it, it's so far so good. They get up to, I don't, I don't know how high those planes fly, but you know I'm sure several thousand feet. And the pilot passes out. And nobody else knew how to fly the plane. Would you call that a stormy day? Yeah, me too. So, so they did all they knew to do. They got on the radio and they started switching channel to channel trying to get somebody to respond. And after a significant amount of time, they finally get the, the Anchorage Airport emergency people on the radio. The lawyer looks at Dr. Gibbs and says, we're going to die, aren't we? Dr. Gibbs says, probably. You don't know how to fly the plane? I don't know how to fly the plane. Our pilot is out cold. So he gets on the line with this emergency operator from Anchorage, and here's what the man said. My job is to get you home, but you've got to listen to my voice. If you don't listen to my voice, you're going to die. What would you do? If you don't listen to the voice of God, you're going to die. You're not going to make it through the storm. <laughs> then he said something. The, the operator from the Anchorage emergency operator said something that I thought was so profound. He said, you can't see me, but I can see you. He froze all the traffic. He said, you can't see me. I can see you. All you got to do is listen to my voice. 
My job's to get you home. He said that over and over and over. He said, I got to get you to Anchorage, but I need you to know there's a lot of rough weather between where you're at and where I'm at. But if you listen to my voice, I'll get you home. He said, it's going to be a rough ride. I wonder, if you're here, maybe the last six months, has it been a rough ride? What if we just learn to trust the voice whose job it is to get us home and get all the other voices out of our head? How many know this world's full of voices that competing for your attention? So they get him, they get through the storm and they get close to Anchorage and he says, we're, we're not through the, the difficult part yet. I got to get you lined up with the runway. And then we got to get you on the ground. He said, but I got something that's going to help you. You can't see it yet. But if you'll listen to my voice, I'm going to get you lined up with the runway. And then you're going to see some lights that are going to lead you to the ground. And they're going to lead you home. And those lights go horizontal and then vertical. They're a cross. And if you'll follow the cross, it'll lead you home. <laughs> How many know the cross will get you home? So miraculously, they get the plane on the ground and everything stops. Dr. Gibbs tells a story that the next morning in this hotel room, he gets a knock on the door. And the emergency operator from the Anchorage airport was standing at his door. And he said, thank you for listening. He said, if, if you'd been like some others and let all those other voices get in your head, you'd have crashed and burned. So thank you for listening. And he said, I hear your voice. I know that was you. Aren't you glad that one day you're going to stand face to face with the one that got you home? John chapter 10 says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. You want a foundational faith that's strong enough to build your life on? Learn to trust the voice of the shepherd. You know how we say that around here? Listen to God. Do what he says. Sounds so simple, doesn't it? In order to do that, you've got to get the other voices out of your head. Will you bow your head and, and let's pray together? Hey, I want to I pray for you today. Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor Dwayne, um, I'm in a difficult season. My family is in a difficult season. My home is in a difficult season. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to embarrass you at all. I promise I would never do that. Uh, but the storm's blowing in my life right now. It's, uh, it's a little windy. It's a little rainy. 
And my foundation is not feeling so strong and steady. If, if that's you and you just say, Dwayne, would you pray for me? I, I just want you to put your hand in the air. Amen. There's a, there's a whole bunch of hands. So you know what that means? You're not alone. So I, I just want you to hear this from my heart. There's a Savior whose job it is to get you home. But you got to trust Him. Donna said it well. My foundation got secure when I made a choice to go all in. And to trust Jesus, not just on Sunday morning. I did that for too long, y'all. Not just when I was with my church friends. But I made a decision to go all in. That doesn't mean I've lived a perfect life. Because I surely haven't. But my foundation's been secured because my foundation's not in Dwayne. <laughs> my foundation is my faith in Christ. Who cannot fail. So I want to pray for you. And maybe as I'm praying for you, you pray for you. And maybe your prayer sounds something like this. Lord, I put trust in some things I don't need to trust in anymore. Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's people. I don't know. Maybe it's your own attitude. I don't know. Maybe it's what you see with your eyes that doesn't line up with what you think God wants to do in your family, in your heart, in your life. But God, today, I'm placing my faith, my trust, my confidence in a God who loved me enough to send His Son and in a God who can't fail. So as I pray for you, I want you to pray for you. And let's leave this place with this assurance that if we place our faith and hope and trust in the rock of Christ, He'll build a foundation for our life, for our home, for our families, for us. I believe that with all my heart. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the rock of Christ. And, and God, we are too late in this game to offer some religious platitude. And that's not what this is about. God, I pray for the, the ones that would say that we're in a stormy season today. The rain's blowing, the wind's blowing. And the foundation seems a little shaky. God, today we make a choice to place our faith and hope and trust in the rock of Christ who cannot fail. God, that doesn't mean that the wind's not going to blow. That doesn't mean that the rain's not going to fall. It just means we got something to stand on when the storm comes. Something to lock our feet into. Something that's firm and secure So God, we place our faith in Jesus, the rock of Christ, and the God who loved us and gave himself for us. His name is Jesus. So God, I pray for every family, every individual today that's struggling. God, I pray, God, that as only you can, that the power of your Holy Spirit would overshadow them and give them an assurance that you're in control, that you're well able to do exceedingly abundantly above all they can ask or even imagine, regardless of what the face of the storm looks like, you are well able. 
Would you do what only you can do in lives in Jesus' name? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want you to sing this chorus as a confession. I will build my life on your love, oh God. time and I want you to sing it as a confession maybe you just as a declaration of your faith in Christ maybe you could stretch your hands toward heaven sing it as a declaration I will build my life upon your love it's a firm foundation Off the Lord an ovation of praise for his goodness. Amen. Amen. Before I let you go, I'm going to give you a challenge. Next Sunday is Father's Day. I, I want every guy in the sound of my voice watching online, if you can get here, get here and bring somebody with you. We're going to have, now listen, that doesn't mean I'm going to exclude the ladies. But we're going to talk to men next week. And, and I just believe that if you'll come, God will give you some encouragement. And God will help you. And I, I, I'm just excited about what God's going to share with us as men next week. Be here for Father's Day. Will you do that? God bless. Have a great, great, great afternoon.